Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place with we have meaningful conversations. Man, you keep forgetting where the Refuge Project is. And a safe place. It's yeah. safe. I do know it's safe. Yeah, it's a safe. Yeah, we're safe. We're safe. Uh, but we have a great conversation. Yep. Yep. Yeah, been do. on vacation, man. Come on. Yeah, you have. So I think Stacy and I have both been on vacation. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, got a special guest here. Look who it Long is. Long awaiting. Stacy Nissen. In the flesh, in all my glory. That's right. I uh, this has been one that, that people have been asking for. Yeah, they have. <laughs> it's a it's a big deal. You got to give the public what they want. You got to give the people what they want. <laughs> They've been asking. If there's one thing uh, my dad taught me, it was give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is gonna be a good one, man. There, uh, there, there's like this conversation could go. Like so many directions, it really could. So, and we don't have anything planned. I asked him if there's anything he didn't want to talk about. He says that he'll just take the fifth at that point. Yeah, I'll yeah. Just, I've got a buzzer here. I'll just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so how, how's things been going? Fantastic. Been yeah, I am. Uh, let's see. I feel like some good stuffs happened. Yeah, it's been weeks. Back. I know you've been cruising. I've been cruising. Been in the Mexico, and so he's in Mexico. Got this little story. You know, when you get off the cruise, the like the cruise line has the the shops right there for you. You know. Oh yeah. And uh, so Bobby wanted to go see this uh, this silver shop in Cancun, so we took a taxi into like into town, kind of mm-hmm. away from the the real touristy stuff. So you know, you go out there and then you have the little kids, chicle chicle, you know, trying to sell you the <laughs> the gum and stuff. How and, they do it. And there's there's another little boy that he he was you know uh, hustling paper roses. You know, so he paper was, roses. Yeah, so he's going up and trying to give them to the all the girls and uh, or the ladies or whatever. Well, if you take it, you know you're obligated yeah, now yeah. to give him some money, right? Uh-huh. And he's moved the way he does. He, but he was only like six or seven. Yeah, and he's down in this little, you know, this little area. And I felt sorry for him really because, like, he was a, like a little kid with all these grown people. Anyways, Bobby got suckered. He, out of you know reaction, Bobby just took it from him, and then I then he looked at. I seen it. He and like, man, this, <laughs> this little kid just got me. <laughs> so he's over there, dig, you know, trying to dig through his wallet without everybody seeing how much money he got. And just gave the kid a couple bucks. So, well, I didn't realize it, but as we're walking through this, this little kid's following us. Oh yeah. That's now he knows he's, he's got money. He's I got get money. Some, yeah, them. Americans that have some. Money and we're walking through and you know walk through this farm and past this pharmacy and then these dudes come out from nowhere you know they're just like hey you need any like muscle rub yeah. uh, you know ibuprofen mm-hmm. uh, Tylenol and then it goes Percocet <laughs> yeah Vicodin yeah. <laughs> Oxycontin I'm just like good lord yeah it's a thing now oh yeah a dollar a dollar a piece anything you want anything you want I'm just like okay. Yeah. Let's just keep walking, right? Yeah, I have a friend who just went on a cruise down, I think he was in Cozumel when he was doing that. And it was, yeah, it was just like Viagra, just everything. Yeah. They're like a dollar a pill. And he goes. I, well, I would have stopped for that. He, <laughs> he, was, he was like, yeah, anything you want. They're just selling it. It's like a Mexican knockoff of it. And it's for real cheap. And I yeah, said, you that get just cancer seems, two days later. It seems a little sketchy to me to just yeah. take. 
some off-brand Tylenol. Don't go to Jamaica, whatever you do. Oh, I heard Jamaica's worse than uh, Mexico. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we get so we kind of walk, and it's hot outside. So at the end of the block, there's this like a little outdoor restaurant or whatever. So we get some fruit and a drink. Well, the little little Mexican boy's just sitting on the bench. And then it's like outdoor, so he's just sitting there with his arm crossed, just staring at us as we're eating, you know, and just like, oh, this dude's working it, you know. And I feel sorry for him because he probably is hungry, you know. Yeah. But on on the table of the restaurant, it says, don't feed the birds or give our kids money because <laughs> they're being human trafficked and, and oh, they, they deserve better and That's all this stuff. That's not what I thought you were going to say. And I was just like, okay, but he looks so hungry. I wanted to give him all the money I had. But Sandra was just like, they're just going to take it from him, you know. Oh, and uh, so I'm eating this this fruit. And I get to this one fruit. And I'm just like, oh, this fruit is bad. Like, don't don't eat that fruit. It's terrible. And uh, Sandra's just like, no, that's the way it's supposed to taste. I said, nothing is supposed to taste like that. <laughs> Not fruit, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. That's like Fruit's sweet and delicious. Yeah, that's God's candy, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, so Lynn ends up giving the little boy a piece of... A watermelon, you know, he's over there just like savoring it, just eating little bites and sucking and licking on it and stuff. And I, and I said, I said, what is this nasty stuff? She said papaya, mm-hmm. and I was just like, whatever it is. So right. the little boy finishes his his watermelon, and uh, I told Sanders everybody had the papaya just left on the table, and I said, tell him if he wants papaya. And uh, he, she told him in Spanish, you, you want the papaya? He was like, nope, and ran off. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. just like, it's so bad, the little starving little kid <laughs> won't even eat That's it. That's right. You know? Um, but, yeah, it was kind of just one of those things that you just, you're thankful for what you have after you see some little kid over there trying to hustle up a few pennies, you know? So, anyways. Yeah, it was a good time. Other than that, it was a great time. We had a really Dude, good time. Dude, that's how all the cruise ship destinations are they're all just like that it's yeah. it's just poor people there being like please give me some money and you're just like walking around or selling you sell you some percocets yeah selling you some yeah it I, gets, it I was gets talking weird. to the silver guy the the where bobby went and they offered him he's like the oldest silver manufacturer in mexico it was like a hundred his his their company was like a hundred years old and they directly they mine it and then do all the stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and they come to him to try to get him a shop down there closer to where, you know, they dock. And he said that they wanted $350 a boat to have a shop down there. And he oh, says sometimes right. they bring in seven, eight boats a day. Mm. Uh, so those those uh, mm. those uh, boat lines are killing it. Yeah, somebody's killing it yeah. in those sections. And I'm just wondering, like, how do they even make money if you're paying... You know, $1,500 a day? Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess they are. I guess people are spending the money. Yeah. I like money too much to <laughs> just spend it on Percocet. random. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you the big Mexican hats and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Everybody have a, every a, one sombrero. Of the, a sombrero or one of those carpets they throw over you, they cut a hole in it. You said the carpet they throw? A poncho? Yeah, a poncho. <laughs> the carpets they That's throw That's the one we put in front of the toilet. What do you mean? <laughs> well, we've been, I've been having a good time while you've been cruising along with the, yeah, the needy. <laughs> we've been, uh, I had a couple shows, I think, in okay. the last uh, – that yeah. went really good. Yeah. Have my dad uh, 
babysit so my sister oh, could come and I thought uh, he was doing one of your roadies or something. Yeah, no, that'd be nice. Have get me a roadie. Yeah. No. I uh no, so I hit up this um okay, so last month we had a couple shows. One of them was at this place called Last Concert Cafe, and it was probably the best show we had. It was uh it's like a professional place, actual touring acts will go there, so everything was like professional and the sound was good and all that kind of stuff. And uh so we did. So we had that one. It was probably the best show we had. And then a couple weeks later, we were at this other place called White Swan. Okay. Uh, which Don't they deliver meat or something? Did the worst place ever. It was probably the worst show we've ever had. Uh, not necessarily because of anything we did. It was just the venue was so horrible. The sound was so horrible. Have I told you about this show yet? No. I mentioned it to Caesar. So Caesar, uh, I think Ben said something about, yeah, we played at White Swan the other night. It was horrible. And Caesar goes, White Swan? I think I and went back, went there. Is it downtown? Yeah, it's off of uh, Navigation. It's yeah, just horrible I've been sca- there. Dude, it's the worst. He, Caesar goes, I played there like 10 times back in the day. Always the worst. The worst. And I said, yeah. It was in a crappy out. building and everything, right? Yeah, we didn't think it was going to be nice. But, man, it was bad. Dude. And it was like, the reason it was horrible is because the people that were running it, um, were just like incompetent and didn't care. It wasn't like they were doing a horrible job, but they were trying their best and they just didn't know. It was like they didn't care. They didn't care at all. And everything was horrible because of it. And uh, the people we played with had tried, when they were booking the place, they said, uh, hey, can we bring our own audio engineer for the night? And the venue, which is a reasonable thing people do all the time. And the place said, no, you book a show here, you got to use our guy. Which is annoying, but, you know, whatever. Okay. Our guy that's hooked on meth. And but, <laughs> yes, this is why it's annoying. We show up. The dude's, like, 80-something years old. He's crazy. He sh- shows up with a beer, and he's like, Bleh. And uh, he's he's crazy. You can't have a conversation with him. And uh, that's, the, uh, that's the sound guy for the mm. night. And uh, at some point, he's asking me something, and I'm trying to answer his question. And he goes, hold on, hold on. I can't hear. I'm deaf. you got to get close. And I say, <laughs> I say I'm sorry. Did you- <laughs> hey, y'all know that's what it's like when y'all ask me to run sound? You say, I'm <laughs> deaf? Sorry. Yes, I can't. <laughs> My ears are blown out. And y'all are like, hey, man, can you take care of the sound? I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I know what the I'll buttons just- do, but it doesn't mean I can hear. But this hear. guy didn't even know that. And anyway, I won't ramble about that night, but it was the worst show ever. And uh, so we get out of that night, and I was like, dude, I we can't be playing at these horrible places anymore because they just they do more harm than good it's like it's so like i went and i had some people that were coming to the show i had a handful of people that were going to come right and a few of them bailed last minute were texting me like a couple hours before the show i said and they're like hey i thought i was gonna be able to make it i'm not gonna be able to make it and i said hey don't even worry about it dude (laughs) it's probably for the best like i was considering sending out a mass message being like hey if you were planning on coming to the show tonight don't don't come come. and uh, a few people that did show up like I had to go apologize and be like, "Hey, sorry, you guys came down here for this because it was just it was so bad." Wow! But so we have that one. I'm like, we can't keep playing these places. So uh, I started hitting up like the legit venues, like House of Blues and White Oak and all of them, because I had hit them up before where I would just go f- try to find like a smaller show there that didn't have an opening back an opening act listed, and then just if you could find any kind of email for them, hit them up, be like, "Hey, I'm James from this Houston band. If you need an opener, we can do it." And uh, I had done that in the past, like during COVID time, before COVID happened. But then COVID happened, and then I kind of stopped doing that for a while. Anyway, so I haven't done it in a while. And I was like, I need to do that again because we can't keep playing at these horrible places. <laughs> I was like, because we just played at a legit place a couple weeks before that, and everything it was the best. So like, so we can do that, right? So I fa- I hit up this dude a few weeks ago for uh, for an opening act upstairs at White Oak Music Hall, and um, the guy I didn't hear anything back. 
And then on like Monday night, I get an email from that band's manager, and he's like, hey, can you still play the show on Thursday? So this is like two and a half days before the show now, which I'm definitely booked to work, and Ben's supposed to work, and all this stuff, but I said, yeah, we can definitely do that. So you did the responsible thing and like called in to work, you wouldn't play Well, I got my shift covered. (laughs) Worst case scenario, I could have called in, and it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Right, right. Ben had a little tougher time, because his is a little tougher to... But anyway, so we made it happen, but it was all last minute, so I had to have a... So usually Tara will help me with like the merch table or Ben's uh, fiance no, Haley. Fiance. Um, she gets sick, so she can't come. Tara's working till like eight o'clock, and that's when we go on stage. So she's not gonna make it. And I was like, well, great. I need somebody. So I called Ray. I said, any chance you can like last minute come help me with this? So she calls my dad or my mom. I don't know which. That one. was probably the tougher one to get yeah. a mama. <laughs> yeah. Two, three. How much she have kids? How shit? Dude, she's got so many kids these days. I don't even. <laughs> Can't keep up. She's she's got three. Three. But shout so, out to Ryan. So she's they, one of our biggest. So they fans. did some. Yeah. Shout out Ryan. Where's my? You know. Ryan. Oh, she gets the the and, DJ horn. You know so, so he babysat so she could come so that we could do his thing. Shout out to the grandpas out there. Tell man. you what. I actually babysat. I just had to go to. A you just locked him up in basketball room. practice. And ah, there you take go. Luke home from basketball. Either way. Basketball. Practice. We got the kids taken care of so she could come. So so these shows. And this one went really good. Yeah. So you're integrating the new things that you had been talking about? With yeah, the, yeah. So this was the, the second or third show where okay. we had, like, the new setup. So how's that working? Went really good. Very good. Shows, there's a few parts that's a little clunky uh, in between songs where Ben's, like, switching to the bass or something. So I got to figure out how to streamline that a little better. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway. Very cool. Going really good. Went really good. Made some cool connections. You, you got any, uh, sold some hoodies. Some dates. I've got... So there's a new show that we're just putting on ourselves. Okay. Which I'm still finishing up the details, working on a flyer. Yeah. Um, but the date is going to be September 23rd. It's a Saturday, a few weeks from now, whenever this comes out. September 23rd. 23rd. It's going to be awesome. Weeks. Very cool. I'm where's, very where's excited about this. You know where it's at at the venues? It's going to be at this place called The Coffee House at West End. Okay. Which is a swanky hipster coffee Sounds house. Sounds like a $10 coffee to me. It is. Uh, which is part of this church, which I think the church is called Weston Church or something like that. It's down in Houston. Um, but they have – it's a coffee place, but it's it's like a big kind of industrial yeah. room. It's even got an upstairs. Um, we did a little open mic thing there before, and they have events here and there at that place. So anyway, they're really cool. It's a really hip place. Mm. The sound was good the time we did it so we're just going to put on a thing there i've got a band or so that's going to play with us cool so i'm going to announce all the details when we finish them up but very cool pretty excited about that one yeah. this could be good good times yeah yeah good times so we've been killing it you've been cruising been cruising my dad's been hanging out in the mountains must be nice hard to get we're... harder to come back each time <laughs> 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 all right well i guess that's a good intro let's jump right into culture Corner. With that beat right there, maybe I should come and bust some flows. On oh yeah, Dad, go ahead, hit us. On, on some September twenty three. Can, can you rhyme, Stacy? I'll, I'll pass on that. He's, one. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, in the first question. He's already <laughs> passing. Pass. All right. Well, here's my story. You ready? Oh, this does not look good at all. This is good. Dude. Oh no. Uh, uh, let me put it on the screen here. Hold on. Ah, transition. Boom. A live worm was removed from Australian woman's brain in world first discovery. 
Mm. I'll just let that set in. Can look this at is, this this is not going to go well, is it? No, it's not going <laughs> to. Experts believe the woman became an accidental host to the parasite when she was forging for greens near a lake by her home. Accident- Why do they have to do it in parentheses? Like, she didn't do it accidental on purpose. Accidental host. Like, she was just like, okay, let me just stick this in my brain. So here's the story. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but this is the gist of it. So this Australian lady, um, a couple years ago, starts experiencing all these, all this stuff. The stomach pain, coughing, night sweats, oh, cognitive condis- conditions. Yeah, yeah. She starts having these symptoms. She goes to the doctor, and um, they don't really find anything, basically. And um, she keeps having these symptoms, and see, at first she experienced abdominal pain, diarrhea, constant dry cough, a fever, night sweats. It seems like every medicine they have on, they, they <laughs> yeah, advertise yeah, yeah. on TV. She just should have taken some <laughs> Pepto-Bismol and been done. Uh, yeah, lady, 64 years old, Australian. So she has this stuff, and eventually she goes back like a year later because this she's This thing's still, been like yeah, it's swimming been, around in her brain for Dude, dude it's been year? going on. And so... Uh, they can't figure it out, but and but now her symptoms have evolved to include forgetfulness and depression. So now she's having like mental issues now instead of just coughing and stuff. And eventually she goes and gets an MRI. Uh, and what what do they how do they say it here? Let's see infectious disease. They see something in her brain. So she eventually. Uh, goes to have surgery because they see something's in her brain and they, they think it's like a growth or something. And uh, so the brain doctor goes in there, got her opened up. No, no, no. Look and what it says right finds there. a worm. It says it was happily moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happily. <laughs> so it says uh, the operation had only just started when she felt something odd in the part of the brain that showed up strangely in the scans. I thought, gosh, that feels funny. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't see anything more abnormal. Uh, and then I was able to really feel something, and I took my tweezers and pulled it out and thought, gosh, what's that? It's moving. Do you know Do you know how many Not clicks? Not good when the brain surgeon says, what's gosh, that? It's moving. Do you know how many clicks this would get on YouTube from all the pimple poppers? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah, they love that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, so, so anyway, she pulls out. It's a worm. It said it was three inches. What? Uh, look, here's a picture. No of it. way! Come on. Yeah, bro. yeah. So there's the worm. And how uh, did it get in her? Well, that you, you got to finish the story. Well, hurry up! I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so the brain doctor. So they look up some textbooks and trying to figure out what this worm is. They can't figure it out. So the doctor sends it to her um, parasite friend. Who's like specializes in this stuff? Um, yeah, look at the worm because it's still alive. So they put it in this little cup, send it over to the the friend, and it says uh, it is a small place. So we sent the worm, which was still alive, to the lab. He looked at it and said, "Oh my goodness, this is I don't know how to say that." Oh, fifty dart would it anyway? Like some smart dude was like, "Oh, I recognize that yeah, worm." Yeah. So it says that's a relatively common roundworm found in carpet pythons, which what? is snakes that are common in that area. So this worm usually is a parasite on these snakes. Uh, it's not usually that's why they called it an accidental host because they're not usually coming into humans. It's usually uh, hanging out in the carpet pythons. 
Wow. Um, but they said that they think she became an accidental host after collecting these grains, which is a type of native grass from a lakeside near her home to use in cooking. Uh, carpet pythons also inhabit that area, and the leading hypothesis among experts is that a python she shed the parasite via its feces into the grass. Okay, so for all you little boys and girls out there, <laughs> this is why you shouldn't eat vegetables. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so basically, they think a snake pooped there. They think she got some of it on the greens, which she later ate, and then and it had like the eggs or something of, or not the eggs. I don't know how what the larva of the worm would that be the right word? She obviously didn't wash her food. Yeah, she didn't wash it. Right. I don't know. They don't know, but basically that worm's not supposed to be in there. But it was in there. But how did it get to her brain, though? But yeah, it just it grew yeah. inside of her. Look at that thing. That was just in her head. And uh, yeah, she's good now, though I think. Bet she don't dance as good anymore. No. <laughs> Since she's 64 years old. Well, you imagine your grandma being going to the doctor and they pull a worm out of her head? The doctor later in the article, it says, like, oh, she's such a trooper. You know, this has never happened before. She's handled it good. And, you know, so good for her. But uh, This reminds me of a story that I heard years and years ago on the 60 Minutes. Oh, man. Um, this, How this, many years ago we talk? Probably 30 years 80 ago. years ago. Come on now. Back in your... I'm glad I'm not the oldest one in the room anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, say yeah. some stuff about my dad. Uh, and we're not that far apart in age, so we're just going <laughs> to keep all the old jokes down. Uh, but this little baby, he his mom was a, um, what do you call it when they sew stuff? Seams? A seamstress? Seamstress. And uh, so it was like in a foreign that. country, and they would take the baby. The baby would, like, sit in her lap while she work all day and... <clears throat> the baby grew up to be like uh, really, really smart, yeah. and uh, so he grew old, and he was just like the, you know the smartest kid in the class, and he, his memory was like on another level than everybody else. But the older he got, <clears throat> he started his uh, brain activity began to decline. Yeah, and so they started doing these MRIs and stuff. Well, what they found out was when he was little, sitting in his mom's lap, that a, a needle went through and connected the two sides of his brain, <clears throat> like in his head. In his head, but over time, the needle, I guess, was like the needle still in there. It was in there. They didn't know it was in there. I guess it was accidental. Sounds like she a was probably horrible just... seamstress. <laughs> She didn't even so, know she put a needle in his right, head and like, left it there. Right, but she like but she's like guessing that's how it got there when he was a baby laying in her lap while she was at work. She didn't even know. She's guessing. Yeah, um, but then over time, the the needle started deteriorating and it was like starting to disconnect the two sides of his brain, so he didn't have that connection uh-huh. where do y'all hear this stuff at well, he said 60 minutes this is all <laughs> this is on a 60 minutes so i you know i'm not the smartest dude but i'm willing to go get a needle you know stuck through my brain if i can connect some loose ends yeah. <laughs> yeah that would be the quick fix that would be my uh... i mean i'm too old you know to start learning new stuff yeah so Jeez. i don't know Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> All right, so don't eat your vegetables yeah, yeah, yeah. or you'll get worms. Right. And or at least uh, wash it before you... It never sew, would, would never sew. So The seamstress, oh, yeah, don't... Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't lay in your mom's lap while she's at work. Yeah. That's what I would That's think. it. There you go. Now yep. we've... Now we've 
conquered the world's problems. And don't eat papaya. And papaya is the worst. It's yeah. the worst. Have you ever had papaya before? Not a big papaya fan. I don't think there is anybody that's like a <laughs> papaya fan. I've had it like in sacks of trail mix or dried fruit or something like it that. It might be, might be better dried. At least I think that's what it is. It's, it's probably yeah, dried it with sugar. Like what, fr- what fruit is this? But yeah. Fresh I've papayas. I've never had fresh before. No. Tastes like eating rotten fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I pulled a special uh, song out for... Brother Stacy, right. you know, he's, he's our choir leader. Uh, so I was looking for songs, and this this song just kind of popped out uh, to me. So we're going to listen to Zach Williams' Old Church Choir. Go. All right. Yes, it's the little triangle on the bottom. Okay. <laughs> That's the big number one song, Chainbreaker, from Zach Williams. And now we've got his brand new song. Sing along. This is Old Church Choir. There's revival and spreading like a wildfire in my heart. A Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Still my 
said it was a choir song dude that's a pop song ah no that was the kind of the thing hey our know? choir sang that a couple years ago yeah yeah but good my, song and, and I my uncle and my dad thought it was a reference to their age <laughs> <laughs> i said why we why you say you got an old church choir is that about us <laughs> right and that's as new as it gets <laughs> no i just thought it was a good song it, was, it wasn't really a choir song but we got the choir director here and there you you go. a little bit of both you know a little good, a little the old. I'm I'm the fan. I'm a fan of a, especially the older I get, of a, a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, mm-hmm. um, and I wish that the new guys would do re, redo a lot of the, the older songs um, because I think there's there's power in some of the older songs that they were written in a different time and a different generation under a different heart, yeah. um, under a different anointing. And I think there's some power in that. Yeah. Uh, not that the anointing and the things are, are uh, any better or any worse, but it was a different one, yeah. right? Uh, so to bring to bring some of those older songs into maybe a new beat or a, a new uh, way of singing, I think would be uh, a really a good way to connect the two generations. Where I think sometimes churches have problems yeah. connecting. So yeah, uh, that's kind of a, a good segue. First of all, thanks for being here today. Uh, like I said, this, my pleasure. This is one of those things that a lot of people have been asking about. Even old students uh, <laughs> that's talked about some of the oh, story, with Stacey, uh, <laughs> stories with Stacy. Stories with Stacy. Story time with Stacy. <clears throat> story time with Stacy. What was the one that? Oh man, I forgot to go back and look. What? The the lady with silver pants or something. I know what you're talking about because uh, I, my wife said you better go back and listen to the last episode because they were talking about you. <laughs> So I listened to you talking about the leopard leopard skin pants, lady right. in the leopard pants Look, okay. or something. All right, so let's start let's start with that story. Oh goodness! Okay. <laughs> you didn't think you could hear not tell a couple of stories, huh? Well, that seems to be what I'm known for. So yeah, I can tell a couple of stories. That story is one time I wrote down a bunch of stories, uh, just like off the top of my head, and I gave them names, and I think that one went under the title of. My most embarrassing moment, and this was uh, quite a few years ago. Snow skiing, I think it was Crested Butte. This is great because I don't actually know the story, so I'm trying to see if I no, remember. No, you it. weren't. You weren't either. You were off skiing by yourself somewhere. This involves uh, me and your mom, and your aunt Renee and Greg. And uh, Greg had not been skiing that long when this happened. And Greg, my brother-in-law, is married to my sister Renee. I taught him to ski, or I say I taught him to ski. He had never been skiing. I think we had been maybe twice when he first went. He did not want to take a lesson. And uh, he said, I don't want to waste time. Just tell me how to do it. Greg's a man's man. So if you ever I tried met to, a man's you know, man, that's and great. here I was the expert because I've been twice. You know, <laughs> so I said, "Well, you got to zigzag. You know, you got to do this thing called a wedge, and you the know, pizza. you got a pizza. You got to point your skis, your brakes. You know, I wasn't a good teacher because he I'd never seen him go slow down a slope. <laughs> he's got one speed. He points his skis straight down, and. He's usually the first one at the bottom or a wipeout happens. And that's how he likes to go. But uh, That's my style. That's how, he that's how he goes. Now, 
my sister Renee, super cautious. All right, she goes at snail speed. Never seen her fall, but because she never goes more than two, three miles an hour, she's just very slow and cautious. Uh, my wife Debbie, probably the best skier. She was skiing when I met her. We had never been skiing, so I've know if I've ever seen her fall. She's somewhere between. She doesn't take a whole lot of chances, but she just she just has her nice, comfortable speed, and she looks good going down the slope, and that's how she likes to do it. I'm somewhere between Greg and Renee. Uh, you know, I usually just get out of control at some point and fall down. But anyway, I'm not quite as crazy as Greg. I do know how to use the brakes and, in theory, how to ski. Anyway, so the four of us were at the top, very top of this mountain, and we decided – uh, I think Greg wanted to race. Now, that's a big no-no at the ski resorts. They have signs up, you know, mm-hmm. slow, and especially when you come to a congested area, no racing. And if the ski patrol sees you, they'll blow a whistle or holler at you. But yeah, we were going to race, four of us, first one to the bottom. And it was a long way. It was going to, you know, it was like a top of the mountain to the bottom of the bottom of the hill. And so uh, I don't remember... The winner got a, I don't know, ice cream or something. We were about to go eat. So off we go. And true to form, Greg points his skis straight to the bottom. And he used to wear this purple and yellow windsuit that he got from Buffalo High School when he used to teach there. And it would just be flapping in the breeze. Like nobody's going to see him. Yeah. He had that same and he wore it for 20 years. I don't know what. Blue jeans and that windbreak. Blue jeans and a (laughs) windbreak. That was his outfit. (laughs) So, since this involves a lady in the leopard skin pants, you have to know what we're wearing. So, that's what Greg was wearing. He's wearing his windbreaker and jeans, which not too many people ski in jeans, but (laughs) he did. I was wearing my uh, stuff that I bought at Walmart or wherever. I would, sometimes we'd stop at a truck stop or something on the way, and they'd have like a ski jacket or something. That's where I'd buy mine, not designer stuff. My wife, she's a little bit better. She'd buy hers. She's at, classy. I don't know, J.C. Penney's or somewhere, you know, a legit store. And I don't remember what Renee wearing, but we're you know, we're not the high class. We're not wearing designer, you know, ski outfits. You can tell we're from Texas. <laughs> So off he goes like a flash. I mean, he's just he's already halfway down. I'm in second place. I'm trying to go fast but still not kill myself. Uh, Debbie's behind me. She's just doing her thing, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Renee, she hadn't left the gate yet. I don't know if she's <laughs> way up top. And so this is how we proceed. So minutes go by, two, three minutes. I can still see Greg. It's just a, like a flash of snow. He's way down there. I'm in second place thinking the only chance I've got of catching him is if he falls, but he's probably going to fall because look at how he's doing. So I'm still trying to keep within striking distance. I look back. Debbie's she's just doing her thing, looking good. Renee, I think I can see a speck way up on the mountain. She's still up there. So we're getting close. And I can see the uh, lift at the bottom, so we're getting sort of close to the bottom, starting to see the signs that say slow down, caution. 
And uh, all of a sudden it happens. Greg totally wipes out. It was like the agony of defeat. If you remember the old world wide, wide world of sports that used to come on and they used to have this skier on there in the opening, and he'd wipe out. So Greg tumbles over, wipes out, and he's done. There's no way he's getting back in the race. So that propels me into first. And uh, I look back to see, yeah, no, the women are not catching me. So I have a little bit of my dad in me. Some say a lot of my dad in me. So I begin to gloat. Naturally. So I take my ski poles and I begin to pump them <laughs> over my head as I'm turned around, gloating to the women like, yeah, ha, ha, who's, who's ahead now? Laughing at my brother as I pass him by. <laughs> like, yeah, ice cream for me. Woo! And it's, I, it's always a bad idea to be going one direction and looking the opposite direction. And so I don't know how this happened, but the next thing I know is I turn back around, and there's all these people. And I'm now at the bottom of the deal where everybody's congregated. And everybody's parting ways because I'm out of control. I'm going. <laughs> I'm at race speed, and I've been looking backwards. And so I've got a pole in each hand, <laughs> and from out of nowhere, I see this very classy-looking uh, lady. She's got she's got leopard skin, like leggings. I don't know what you, I don't know what you call all this, but it didn't look like anything we were wearing. She wasn't in jeans and a windbreak. <laughs> ski bunny. She she's had, a ski bunny. Right? Yeah, she's a ski bunny. She's older. Older. I say older now. I was probably in my. 30s when this happened so she's like old in her 50s yeah she's our age she's, yeah <laughs> and she's got like a, a hat thing around with with like fur around mm-hmm. it i mean it's her outfit probably cost more than my whole ski trip <laughs> and equipment and everything and she is right in front of me oh no i mean five feet in front of me and all this happens within a split second but i remember all this stuff going through my mind I'm like, I'm about to hit this woman, and I'm going so fast, I'm going to probably knock her out. So I don't know. I have to decide whether I'm going to try to put my hands up and, like, kind of brush her off, push her away, or I'm going to try to – I just thought, no, that would be like I'm just coming (laughs) – if that was a football, I would be a flagrant foul, you know, going for the quarterback's head. So it worked out where I just had my arms straight open <laughs> like this. And we, I don't know what you call it, pancake or what, but face to face. Face to face. And uh, over we went. She's on her back. I'm a face to face on top of this poor woman. My skis went up, and, you know, normally your skis fall off, but no, not at this time. <laughs> my skis would not come off, but they're up, twisted behind me, crossways over my back, so I can see my skis. It was the most embarrassing. So about that time, I see my wife ski up. Does she help me? No. She's, <laughs> she's like, almost falling in the snow laughing. Then Greg comes up. He's recovered and come back down. He's, they're just rolling in the snow. <laughs> I look around, there's a whole gallery of people. Everybody had circled. Everybody's just looking. Most of them are laughing. Some of them are just looking like, this idiot should not be allowed on the slopes. Yeah. And all I can say, I'm looking, I can, no matter where I look, I can't go to the left, I can't go there, I can't get my skis off. 
I can't do anything. So I'm looking <laughs> nose to nose with this lady, and I'm just saying, oh, I'm, I'm thinking she's hurt bad because, I mean, I hit her hard. I'm saying, I'm so, oh, ma'am, I'm sorry. Are you killed? Oh, man, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I'm so sorry. And uh, I said, are you okay? Are you okay? She would never say anything. And uh, so I'm trying to get off. I'm looking for help. Nobody helps. And I'm trying to reach back, hit that little release thing on my ski boot. It just seemed like it took forever. <laughs> and finally, the lady, I kept saying, ma'am, are you okay? Are you okay? And she said, get off of me now. get off of me now she said i said yes and i don't know how i did it i rolled like a i don't know what but somehow i got off of this woman my skis still twisted i can't get up she gets up some people help her up and she gives me a dirty look and off she goes i'm still laying there family laughing hyster- i mean they laughed that was they laughed get off so hard <laughs> this reminds me of another story finally i get the skis off i get up i'm so embarrassed i just want to like go somewhere where there's no people and i'm not, that was the first we skied three days and i am not like either everybody had leopard skin pants on <laughs> but it seemed like every lift i went to that woman was there and i just no, nah, we're not going there. I tried to. To this day, I have a reaction to leopard skin. And, How do you uh, like these notes? Take yeah, them off. Oh, man, it was embarrassing. So that reminds me of another story that your dad told us. Uh oh. Okay. When when he's taking his, his mother fishing, and she he thought she was being electrocuted. I was I was there. <laughs> Classic. You was, was, was there. you there? I was there. And he said they were face to face, and all yeah. he could see was her beady little exactly. eyes. And she was like, "Get off of me!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm yeah. saving your life. Yeah. That was a classic. Yeah, I'm saving your life. That was a classic. I yeah. know that one. <laughs> yeah, because if you didn't know, it, it, the only reason that story happened is because my grandmother couldn't talk right. She had a messed up voice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when she would go to talk, it would kind of go. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> So you'd have a hard time. I I just thought that's how all grandmothers talked growing up. <laughs> yeah. so that's all I ever heard. Yeah, I didn't know she used to be a song leader in the yeah. church and stuff and have a singing voice and a really strong voice. And then later, when she was in her 80s, I think she got a had an operation done where they cut one of her vocal cords. And then she do, it wasn't so spastic when she would go to talk, but it gave her a real light little... Soft. Yeah, kind of voice because she only had one vocal cord vibrating against the one they had, whatever disabled. Yeah, so and and we had the generator. We had a generator that was from Jimmy Carter. I don't know if anybody remembers. Jimmy Carter the used brother? to be sound man and uh, not the maintenance man, but the building manager for yeah. Elam Church for many years. Mm-hmm. His name was Jimmy Carter, and he had an old generator that he sold dad. And it ran off of propane, but it was the loudest thing. It was loud. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so yeah, you couldn't hear anything. And we had water all in the bottom of the boat. It was sloshing around, and the extension cord was laying in the water. And real safe. Boat, yeah, it was real safe. Train and, lights. And my grandmother, she was right under the lights, and she was catching fish one after the other. And I think we were fishing with these jigs that had two. Two things. So some 
sometimes you'd catch two at a time. I think she had two at a time, and she got real excited. She was going, woo, woo. <laughs> And my dad looked over, and, and she had grabbed hold of that pole, and she was going, woo, woo. <laughs> and I don't know, something in his brain said, she's electric. <laughs> she's, she's being electrocuted. He took off, yeah. That was funny. It was a little more noble than your story. Yours was... Yeah, his, he was the hero in his story. <laughs> he was the hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, funny how one person can tell a story and yeah. then another person that was there too, and it's like totally different. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that story so many times, but I've never heard... It would have been great to hear her tell that story. Oh, yeah. You know? Be like, oh, yeah. yeah, I was just reeling in the uh, fish. He didn't tell me she Next was catching all the I fish. Know, my son. <laughs> you know? She said, what are you doing? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, his uh, his storybook is 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 awesome. Yeah, we uh, we've had him on here a few times telling those stories. So. Yeah, he comes by my. Own. I heard him telling some stories about me though. He gets some of the details wrong. I don't. know. So I heard. Just let's talk about this one. So this one kind of like a part of this story just stuck out to me when y'all was broke down on the side of this mountain, and he sent Which you off. Which vacation are you were? He yeah. sent you off with the mailman. Didn't even know him. He was uh, just it was like the bread. It was the bread. The man. bread man here. Take my son. <laughs> I do remember that vaguely, and I, I don't know. He was a trusting guy. I guess. I, I mean, don't you know. would never do that now. No, no. So, what was the point of you even going? <laughs> the lady was like, "Man, he'll have to bring me the parts because he's got my son." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know what he was thinking. I really don't know. You must have been really getting on his nerves that trip. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He was just like, take my kid. I got to fix this. I, I remember being out on the side of the road. I remember my poor little grandfather. He was out there waving a handkerchief trying to keep the traffic from running, plowing into the side of back of us. And, uh, yeah, I just remember this guy came by. He knew exactly what was wrong. And this was like the third, fourth breakdown we'd had. Every time we'd come to an incline, the – Motorhome that we had borrowed from this guy in the church uh, would vapor lock. That's what they. And nobody we'd taken it to places, and they they'd act like they didn't know. Because by the time you take it to the place, it's running fine because you're right. not on the side of the mountain yep. climbing up, getting the engine hot. And this guy pulled over and said, "Are you vapor locked?" And we're like, "What?" <laughs> and he says, "Yeah, here's what you need to do. You need to, you know, get you need to cut this uh, metal fuel line right here and cut it here." And go get you a rubber, you know, flexible fuel line and route it around here where it's not right by the engine block. You won't have any more trouble. And we're like, I guess Dad heard that, and he was so, here, take my son. And go. <laughs> <laughs> Did he pay He's me here money. take my son? <laughs> You'll get me over this mountain. You can have him. <laughs> but I do remember, that's the only time I've ridden in a bread truck. It was pretty neat. <laughs> we got off the freeway, went to a store, and. Brought me back, I, but I don't know why I went with it. I don't know. <laughs> so, do you think it's maybe a, I had to go to the bathroom or something? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, do you think what y'all go through? Because it doesn't just stop with him. It doesn't stop with you. I mean, this guy here, he's told me some distant stories. You know about him. I've wondered. People have. Is it a blessing or a curse? That's all I want to know. Because for us, it's a blessing because right. we get to hear the stories after it's over. And I don't know. I don't know if stuff just happens to us that doesn't, just like more than our share, or if it's just that we do a lot and we're kind of looking for it now, or what. I, I don't know. I mean, I've done a lot of... We do more than 
a we lot do of a people. lot of you are more adventurous adventurous than a lot of a lot of families. Well, like when I was young, I would I had traveled more than most people my age. I guess I don't yeah, know. Same. We took a lot of vacation. We'd take a vacation every summer. Dad was a school teacher when I was growing up, so he sort of had summers off, even though he'd worked like two or three other jobs mm-hmm. most of the time during the summer. But we would always take a summer vacation, and I don't, I don't know. We just had a lot of. Yeah, and that's how we were too, growing up. But you know, everybody in our family's teachers, so nobody's like rich. But we're always taking trips. That's the thing. We're always trying to do it on the cheap. Yeah, so we're yeah. yeah. So I think inherently, we're like, look, (laughs) we're gonna take this camper. I know it's not gonna make it, but we're gonna take it anyway. I've never had a new car in my life. I've I've never had a. Only thing I ever bought new was a fifth wheel trailer uh, that I had issues with too, but. Yeah, all our vehicles are always, I don't know, we get more than the expected mileage out of them, yeah. so I guess they're ready to break <laughs> down when we take them. Or, I don't know. I don't know why. Or But, but now I just, every summer, <clears throat> I would think, okay, I get, there's going to be a story come out of something I do this summer. Because the first day back at school, the kids are going to want to, what? Give us a story. What happened to you this summer? Mm-hmm. And... uh yeah, so some summers I would be like week before school, man. I don't have a good story. Nothing's happened, but <laughs> invariably something would happen. I go, all right, now I got a story. So I heard that's the thing. Like if they could get you to tell a story, then by the time yeah. you know your story, they didn't have to do the it would, the assignment that day. It would get out a little, get out of hand a little bit. They would try to bait me. <laughs> yeah, and they would think they were baiting me, but most of the time, I if I didn't want to tell a story, I wouldn't tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to get your, you know, we got a concert coming up. We got contests. Right. We can't just tell stories all day. But they would, some of them would have liked that because they like the stories better than they like singing. But uh, I don't know. Some of them, some of them not so much. But yeah, it got to a point where I was, I was telling them as many stories. I would use it as an as a reward. Y'all work hard. Last five minutes, I'll tell you a story. Yeah. So tell me the one of the best stories. You, you, there's got to be one that would just like... Oh, goodness. The, well, that's they a big, all had... That's a big question. They all had their favorites. Uh, but the best the best story I've got is when I sank my boat in Galveston Bay. That was the... Oh, that's a good That's one. a good story. I mean, yeah, that was probably the most... That was like a real I mean, that was the, kind of life or death that story. That was the real deal. Most of these um, stories, they're... It's more inconveniences. Kind of, this one was like actual danger, you know. That one happened, and so for <laughs> so that one happened. That one happened. happened. <laughs> True to form, and I don't know if you want me to tell it, but I had, that was a that happened. That was one that happened about a week before school started, and I, while I was out there fighting for my life, I thought, well, I got a story to tell. If I yeah. live through this, I got a story to tell. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I'll tell you a funny one that just happened. That a lot of my funny stories involve my brother-in-law, Greg. Yeah. He's about the closest thing I have to a brother since I don't have any brothers. But And he doesn't have any brothers either. He's got lots of brothers-in-law. And uh, he just we went up yesterday for Labor Day to celebrate his birthday, which was in end of August. And I had given him a set of... Uh, outdoor cameras to put in his Arkansas place. He's got a place in Arkansas, an old farmhouse. And uh, I had bought me some to put it in my Colorado, because while I'm in Colorado, I want to be able to see my house back home 
kind of check, not that I can do anything, but anyway, when I'm home, I'm always wondering if the deer are eating my flowers and in my yard and stuff up there. So I bought these little blink outdoor cameras. You put up to five of them on a hub. So anyway, I enjoy them so much, I thought he ought to have some for his Arkansas place. He has game cameras, but there are, he has to put it on his computer and SD card and look at his. The first thing he does is see what animals have come up. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going to get him some of these cameras. So I bought him a set, two. I got them on sale. It's a pretty good deal. So he went to Arkansas last weekend, just got back past Saturday. And so got to his house yesterday morning, and uh, they're back, and he says, uh, man, you made me look like an idiot with those cameras. And he's not super tech savvy. I'm, I'm not either, but I could install the cameras. And I toss it. If you have, they go through your Wi-Fi. And I said, if you have any trouble, give me a call. I'll help you hook them. I can, I've done two sets of them now. And uh, come to find out yesterday morning, about an hour before I get to his house, he uh, gets a notification. Now, you set these cameras to, like, sense motion and all this stuff, and you'll get a... And if it does, it starts recording the, the movie clip, sound and everything. So yesterday morning he gets a notification. And I don't, have the no- I don't have that on mine. I just have, I don't have, the, I don't have it armed. It's disarmed. I just click on it if I want to see if it's raining or right, something right. like that. So, but he's got his set to detect motion. So he gets a notification yesterday morning, act- activity on your camera. So he pulls it up. It's the outdoor. He's got one outdoor, one inside. And it's outdoor camera, and he watches the 30-second clip. He doesn't see anything. He said, well, it must have just been the leaves or something, the tree blowing, set it off. So then he clicks on the indoor camera, and he sees an intruder. He sees this guy walking, looking at his phone, walking through their house in Arkansas, and he f- freaks out. It's like runs it back, plays it over. Yeah, somebody's in my house. So he calls Renee. Somebody's in our house. So it's a good thing your brother gave us his cameras when he. I mean, what's the chances? Just we just installed these, and we already got somebody. Now they have had some people up there. Like somebody stole his boots off his porch. He leaves his boots on his porch. He came up there one time, and somebody had stolen it. <laughs> so it's and and he was up there. So some strange looking guy came by and and. Uh, Said, yeah, we had a lot of thieving going on up here, so it all made sense to him. He he pulls this up, sees this guy in the house, and uh, he don't have his glasses on. So they call the sheriff up there, or whatever county that is. They and the guy said they're they're taking all this information. The man armed, and he said, I don't, know, I can't tell, and uh, but he's definitely in the house. You know, he's walking around, and so they well, we gotta we gotta. <laughs> Got some guys en route. They're on their way, coming from Mount Ida, Arkansas, to probably a 30-minute drive to get out there to his place. They get out there. <coughs> he looks at it again. Renee looks at it, because Renee hadn't seen it. She goes, let me see that. And she looks at it, and she goes, Greg, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at it, he goes, Is it all recording? Oh, it is. It is me. <laughs> yeah, I said, Greg. So, and they're like, you got to call the guy back. They're like, no, we're not. It's too embarrassing. So finally they called him back. Cancel that. Uh, cancel that. Cancel that order. It was actually me. Like, How can you be looking at a picture of you? You're in Houston. 
So when he installed the things, it evidently took a movie and stored it. And so when he got the notification, it was for the outdoor camera, and it was just trees moving. And I don't know, he clicked on that other camera, and it pulled up that clip. And he thought clip. he thinks it's live. <laughs> I said, didn't you recognize your shirt <laughs> or your... He's that purple that, windbreaker jacket. This guy looks really yeah. familiar. <laughs> I didn't have my, he stole my clothes. He I stole. Didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have he's my, wearing my boots. I didn't yeah. have my glasses on. This is the same guy that took my boots. <laughs> but this is the same brother-in-law that got up. Uh, <laughs> they were in a motel somewhere, and they had a little. He he got up to brush his teeth, and uh, <laughs> he put some toothpaste on his brush. Started brushing his teeth. That was the worst toothpaste. It was like disintegrated. Gonna <laughs> find out it was a little tube of lotion. You know, they give you the complimentary. He didn't have his glasses on, so he was. Oh, man. He's got some. He's got some stories. You'll have to get, when he's in town get him to come. Oh in yeah, we need get him. We need some contacts or something. He had the craziest I, upbringing ever in his life. Totally yeah. different from mine. Yeah. And and I think I've heard all of his stories, but ev- <laughs> invariably he'll. Bust out with something I've never heard before, and I've known him for, yeah, you know, thirty five years. But. And he's a man of all like he can do anything. He can opposite the <laughs> being <a> camera <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and brushing his teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He went and bought his own clothes from a garage sale one time. <laughs> Renee, they had a, their church had a rummage sale, so they uh, she went through all his old clothes, got some jeans and. Had some, like brand new looking jeans that were too little for him, and uh, she so she had all these bags stuff boxed up all his clothes, took them to the church, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so later at the end of the day, uh, Renee and Renee took it. She's working at the place, and I guess nobody bought them, so she starts going through looking for bargains. And uh, comes home with these jeans, the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I got you some jeans. <laughs> Oops, knocked the mic. She goes, I got you some new jeans. So they look like they've hardly been worn. <laughs> and they go to, he goes, put them on. He goes, they're too small, just like those ones I have. <laughs> Matter they get to checking. It's the same clothes she took. She bought them back. She said, this looks like Greg will wear this. He Because we still don't fit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, your stories are great, man. I think we, we, I, we obviously need to get Greg in here. There's just so good people. That whole family is just such, <laughs> from the kids to the parents, are just just a great family. Um, so, you was a school teacher. You had um, you taught choir in school. You been how long? You been the choir director here at Elon? I was thinking about that the other day. It's got to be. It's got to be like 1985 ish. Wow. Or something, 84, 85. 35 years at least. Because I was a couple of years into college and decided I was going to do that for a living. And Dad was do, basically doing it all back then. When he, I think he became the pastor in 82 maybe when I was a senior in high school, which I wasn't happy about. I just remember that. 
I wasn't happy about any of his career. <laughs> he was like a rock star at Galena Park High School when I and I, when I was in junior high and element. Everybody knew him. he was like everybody knew Ron Nissen. He was like the most popular teacher over there. And, and you didn't go to that school. You went to Deer Park, right? No, no, no. I went to I went to uh, HI Roland P. Harris Elementary School till the third grade which is over off of I-10, right there, kind of by Federal Road. and it's still there. Got a bunch of buildings. And that's where I went to elementary. I went first, second, and third grade there. And then uh, we switched and started going to Galena Park Elementary because Dad taught in the district that teachers' kids could go to school in the district. And that was a much better school district back in the day than HISD. And, uh, well, that so was, that was, he taught at Fur, right? He taught at Fur for a while, but then he had taught at Galena Park for quite a while. Okay. That's where he taught most mostly. So we just, I don't know, they decided we needed to go. So we'd ride to school with him, which was a blessing and a, and a curse because I never went to school with the kids in my own neighborhood. Right. I, so, you know, you had your neighborhood friends and I was kind of a loner kid anyway all I want to do is play drums most of the time but and I was perfectly happy just doing my thing <laughs> doing my thing I would play drums for hours a day but I had neighborhood friends but they didn't go to I didn't go to school with them then I had church friends and we never lived close to the church we always lived so none of the you know I had church friends but I didn't go to school or live in the neighborhood with church friends so it was kind of that kind of a deal, but yeah, we'd ride to school with Dad in the morning and ride home with him in the afternoon. But when I got to be and in, in, uh, over in Galena Park back in the day, ninth grade was still in junior high. He had seventh, eighth, and ninth was junior high, and just tenth, eleventh, and twelfth was in high school. They, of course, nobody does that much anymore, but that's how it was. So when it came time for me to get to go to the ninth grade, that's when he felt the call to preach decided he was gonna do full-time church and i was not happy because i wanted to be in his choir you know i'm gonna be most you know i was i was a popular kid because of my you know everybody knew my dad and i wasn't in choir they didn't have they didn't even have choir i don't think in junior high back over i was in band but when i finally got the opportunity i'm going to be in my dad's choir have my dad for a teacher i thought that would be cool and uh well that's when he said i'm not i'm Going to quit teaching. Going to be the full time music minister at the church we were going to, which at that we'd been at uh, First Assembly for a few years. So I wasn't too happy about that, and that's when we moved to Deer Park. He said they got the best schools around this area, and because he was no longer going to teach in the district, we couldn't go to Galena Park anymore. We'd have to start. I would have been going to Fur High School, which. Uh, had issues at that time. That was, yeah. They were having race riots every day yeah. and integration and all. It kind never of stuff. did get any better. I think maybe it's cleaned up a little bit more now know. than it used to be. But yeah, it's been pretty. Now, I had a cousin Peggy, my uh, uncle Dale's oldest <clears throat> daughter. She graduated from Furs valedictorian. She's one of the smartest people I know. So just because you go to a school with issues doesn't mean you can't right. be successful. But anyway, they didn't want me. They wanted me to. I guess have some better opportunities. Yeah. That's when we moved to Deer Park. And I wasn't happy about that because I didn't want to move to Deer Park. I didn't know anybody. And 
And then when he uh, decided to become the pastor here, well, now I'm established over at First Assembly. I've got friends, my girlfriend's over there, my best friend. You know, I know everybody there. I hadn't been to Elam since, you know, I was like fifth grade or so. I don't know right. what, what it was when we left Elam, but it had been five or six years or four or five years. And so I'm like, and we came over here, and I think there was like 60 people or something, you know. There was no youth group. There was no youth. There was no nothing. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to do this. And I even remember he was preaching in the game room. We had, we did, he did that for a while when he. So anyway, I wasn't too happy about all the the changes, but I'm glad he didn't listen to his whiny son. You know, <laughs> Dad, why don't you go back and teach again? Yeah, because God had other plans, obviously. So. He did some amazing things for sure in his tenure here, and we're still seeing, we're seeing the, you know. Uh, the fruit of everything that you guys did because he didn't do it his own. I mean, y'all's whole family was very involved of doing a lot of things, and I, I know probably because he had you guys as far as his children, we, uh, that become one of the first things that he did was try to start the children's yeah, church. Yeah, but you asked me group. about the choir. Yeah, oh, choir. But yeah, I never really got to sing in his school choir. Yeah, church choir is so much different than school choir, and a lot. I mean, it's. It's it's a choir, but the way you run it is so much, so much different. So I always regret not getting to sing in his. Mm. He had some great choirs over there. He was a really good choir director, and I never really appreciated that when I was a little kid until I started doing that for a living, and then talking to some people who were still choir directing that knew him and said, "Man, your dad was awesome. He had some great choirs." And uh, so I I never really appreciated that when I was back and i wish i'd have got to sing in his choir but yeah when i decided i was going to be a choir of all things a choir director a high school choir director he he because he was doing the choir he was preaching he was doing everything leading the singing and uh, the worship and he came to me he goes well if you're going to do this for a living you might as well start doing it at the church for god he says it'll help you you'll learn a lot so he said, the church choir is your, once you start doing the church choir. And I was going to SFA up in Nacogdoches. I'm like, I'm going to do the church choir. And back then, the church choir sang on Sunday nights. That was our big service. When I was growing up, was Sunday night service. Sunday morning, kind of everybody's on their best behavior. and You got out at noon or whenever. Like, <laughs> Sunday night, you didn't know when you're going to get out. But yeah. that's when the choir sang. That's when everybody let loose. Jericho marches and mm-hmm. you remember all that. I do. It's like that was the that was the service of the week, the yeah. Sunday night service, and uh, so that's when the choir sang and they always practiced about church would start if church started at six or seven or whatever the choir would practice like an hour before, and uh, so I would come home every weekend work the Chronicle and do the started doing the church choir on Sunday and then head back Sunday night to Nacogdoches for school. So that's how I ended up doing the choir. I don't know what year that actually was, but, and my aunt did the choir some, she really did a lot of the Easter pageant. We used to do it Easter. Dad kind of started that. And then when he, I was like, I can't do an Easter. I can maybe sing in the Easter pageant, but I can't do an Easter pageant from Nacogdoches, you know? 
And so she would kind of do the Easter pageant that for several years. That was kind of the big thing the choir did. Yeah. And uh, but I don't know exactly how long I've been doing it, but since I was in college, so and I know I taught choir for thirty-five years. So it's got to be a long time. Wow. Do you see? Do you see a difference between professionally trained choir directors in the church and then somebody that's just volunteer or? Um, because I'm, I'm sure most churches don't have the, their local choir director. Most school. churches don't even have a choir anymore. Yeah, anymore, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, worship teams, and that started probably 20 years ago, worship teams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you got your people that can kind of sing in the church. They want to be on the worship team. And it's a little bit that way. Now I wish everybody on the worship team, because we have some great singers that sing on the different worship teams. I yeah. wish they would all come to choir. I'm just a believer in choir. But most churches now that still have a choir would be like your Methodist Methodist churches, big Baptist churches, more denominational, formal type right. uh, churches. Um, but most churches, you know, full gospel churches, whatever, they don't have, I don't know that they have choirs that much anymore. I think CT Church. I know they they certainly used to. We used to get together with them for what, what is it uh, Pentecost Sunday? And they yeah. had a church. I know there. they recently did a remodel. I don't know how this affected their their choir, but they recently did a remodel with and put uh, LED screens where their choir. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe they don't. Yeah, it's just hard to get. You know, people are busy. Yeah, you know, you can't get. It's hard to get them to come Sunday morning. If they come Sunday morning, it's like, and then, you know, come another night of the week to practice choir or whatever. Yeah. It's hard to get them, but we we just, I'm glad we still have a choir. I'm glad Pastor Mark lets us still do it. Uh, and I don't know how many people like the choir music. I try to sing. We do a lot of music from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. They have a, you know, they're kind of like the premier choir for churches like ours right. anywhere in the country, and they put out some great music. Because most choir music, if you, you know, if I, like I hear, I used to go to convention every summer in San Antonio where they put all the new music, and you try to pick music for the year for your different choirs and so forth, and they'd have church choir sessions, and I would go to those. Never got any music for our church choir from those. I was like, this ain't the kind of music we do. Right. Our, you know, it's... The words are good, it's but I like it doesn't do anything for me when I hear it. And I think if I'm gonna ask people to come out and work and sing, it needs to be something that's gonna they're gonna enjoy singing, they're gonna feel something when they sing it, people feel something when they hear it. And a lot of the traditional church choir music is just it's just music. So people sit and write it out and and nothing wrong with it I guess and but it doesn't work in our church. We right. we have a unique church church you know so when i found this brooklyn tabernacle stuff i i like man that's that's the kind of music i would like to listen to and sing and it's different and it's uh, of course now it's kind of more mainstream but uh back when we you know i was glad to find them so we found a lot of stuff like them and there are some still some church choirs out there but it's not like it used to be you know every church had a choir no matter how yeah if you know five or six people but Anyway, I wish everybody would. I know everybody can't, you know, doesn't have a, a solo voice, but a lot of people could sing in the church choir uh, that don't do it. They're just intimate choir. You know, singing just a personal thing all the way around. Right. 
it's different than playing a saxophone or playing a trumpet. It's because it's you. You're, it's, yeah, it's personal. You know, well, I used to play a saxophone, so if you go in there and you start playing it and it squeaks on you, you just you look at your reed or your mouth, yeah. you know, I need a new reed. Was, this thing is old. Or, you know, you can blame it on your horn. I don't have a, a $10,000 Bach trumpet. I'm playing on this $100 pawn shop one. That's why I don't, you know. But when you, uh, <laughs> but when it's you, you're the singer, it's a very, per- you know, it's way more personal. Right. And, uh, so people are intimidated just to sing, period, much less. And I never, you know, I was so intimidated to sing, I didn't get in choir in high school. I was some, I was mad, at, frustrated at my dad because I was going to be in his choir and then went to Deer Park, don't know anybody. I was already in bands. I thought, well, I'll do band. I thought, I'll do wood shop. The main thing, I didn't want to do choir. I had this thing in my mind, everybody can compare me to my dad, and my dad Still a good singer, but back in the day, he was phenomenal singer. I mean, he was the he he could have made a living singing opera at one time of his life, probably if he'd have wanted to do something like that. A great voice, and everybody knew my dad. I still do. I can't go anywhere in the world just about. I don't see somebody that doesn't know him in some respect. So I thought, if I sign up for choir at Deer Park. First thing's going to happen, they're going to want to hear me sing. And I nobody had heard me sing. In my mind, I wasn't even sure I could sing. I was a drummer. That's all I cared about doing, playing drums. But in my mind, I, I, I knew I could sing. But I could sing like my dad. And I thought, first thing they're going to, because I look like my dad, they're going to see my last name. They're going to say, you're Ron Nissen's son. Can, I bet you sing like your dad or something. In my mind, that's how my young brain was thinking. So I... Thought I'm, and I don't want to sing by myself in front of anybody. I'll sing in a choir, but I don't sing by myself. And so I didn't sign up for choir. I did wood shop for about three, three and a half weeks, and I was miserable. I was in there with guys. I thought I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And in my mind, I'm like you should be in choir. That's where you should be. And uh, so I went in like the day before day before it was too late to change your schedule and signed up for choir walked in they had a new choir director at Deer Park uh, her name was Becky Allen and uh, it was her first year there she had been at Clear Creek an assistant at Clear Creek knew my dad my greatest fear came true I walked in <laughs> with my little you know transfer sheet and they said oh who we got and she looks and she goes Nissen <laughs> Are you Ron? You're not Ron Nissen's son, are you? And I'm like, yes, ma'am. I am. Everybody's looking at me, and you know, I interrupted the whole choir rehearsal. Went back to Woodshop. She, goes, <laughs> she says, I've known you since this day. I remember you when you were this tall, following your dad around at the convention in San Antonio. Blah, blah. Can you sing like you? You're all my great. <laughs> no, ma'am, I cannot sing like my dad. But uh, yeah, that's my dad. Well, let me take you in here in the office and hear you. I'm just like, I could feel the blood rush. Oh, yeah, so, now if that had been my dad, what the people don't understand, I look like my dad and I got a lot of my dad's traits, but my basic personality is way more like my mom. Um, yeah. If I'm in front of the congregation or in front of a group, I kind of can do like my dad, but one on one or whatever, I just soon be in the background. And so, man, I went in there and I sang, and I got through it. And then I, 
you know, choir was a my my that was turned out to be my thing. Even though I was in band all through, I really liked choir. Yeah, and uh, decided that's what I wanted to do. Did, but I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you guys feel that way? Because <clears throat> I know y'all was in choir, but I never heard y'all sing. Uh, so did you ever feel like, man, I just don't want to sing? Uh, because the, until y'all was a little bit older than you and Ben started singing, I was just like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. I think everybody was kind of shocked that, not that y'all could sing, but that y'all are singing now. So did you ever have a, like... Sing? Yeah, I mean, I still don't want to sing at all. I've never wanted to sing. Yeah. But when you make, you know, when you make your own music, you kind of, somebody's got to sing. Yeah. And, uh, James kind of acted like he did it out of obedience or just... Well, yeah, because you made me do it. I feel like it was the same deal. Like, didn't you ride the bus? Like, I feel like he took him to school and no kids. He had friends in the the neighborhood. It's scary. Yeah. (laughs) The way things are. The the paths, the likenesses of stuff. My difference was I didn't ever really want to do choir. Um, I liked band, like, because I played drum, I was in band in junior high, and I played drums, <laughs> and I just wanted story. to play drums. But I didn't want to do band in high school because you had to march and yeah. you had to do all the marching None of them band wanted to stuff. Do marching band, yeah. did not want to do that. Jazz band was great, but no marching. I would. I didn't even think. I don't know if they just didn't have a jazz band at the time mm. or what. Yeah, but they didn't do it. Luke, like Luke loves jazz band. That's like yeah. I think thing. it was like a semester you could do it, yeah. but you couldn't sign up for jazz school, band. You had to sign up for band. And yeah. if you were in band, then you had to march. And then jazz band was like another thing you could do. Yeah, I think like jazz band is almost like a club. It's Which like, I love yeah. jazz band. Um, I did jazz band in San Jack in college, and that was super cool. But yeah. uh, but no, I never wanted to sing at all. Um, but he kept making us sign up for choir. I see. I just said you're gonna do. You got, and you got to have some fine arts, all right? To yeah. Graduate. So I was going to do band one year to get my credit, and then yeah, I don't think that, you wanted to do it. Well, I was signed up for band in ninth grade. I didn't want to do it, but I had to get the credit. And then you go, well, you know, you got to do choir. And I said, well, if I'm going to do choir, then I'm not going to do band too. So then I stopped. I didn't do band, and then I got my choir credit, and then I didn't sign up again next year because you know I got my credit. I'm done, right? And then the next 10th grade comes around. He's like, hey, what? I just found out you're not signed up for choir. What's this? I was like, well, yeah, I got my credit. He goes, you got to do choir. And so he signs. And when your dad is the choir director, <laughs> you don't have to get he up. can just walk down to the office and change your schedule. <laughs> and so then I had to do choir again. And uh, well, I, I did. I would have done that even if you hadn't been my son. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was good. Yeah. I'm a good kid. I can follow instructions. Well, he's a good kid, but he was also trouble. a good musician and good singer. I was and, okay uh, at singing. Oh, uh, he was good. I was singer. really okay at it. He was good at it. Mm-hmm. And if he'd have worked at it, he could have been. Yeah. But he's he's one that's like he was kind of he's a lot like like I don't I just be in the background or whatever. I'm just do do choir. I'm not going to do anything extra. Yeah. And. uh that particular year, the head choir director, the choir that he ended up being in, our top choirs, made every. So if you're in this choir, you're going to try out for region choir. Yeah, I think and that was I thought, 11th oh, or 12th James is going to drop out at this place because he don't want to do that. Yeah. But he did it, made region choir. You know, that's the loop but, on the horn. He's just like I don't want to so do that because he was he's so he's a shy kid, so yeah. he doesn't want to do the individual stuff. I didn't want to do but it. Then he's great at it. I didn't want to do it because if you do it, then you have to go sing in the region choir. Right. And then that, you <laughs> have to do the extra stuff. You had to go show up that you weekend. It was the whole weekend, and yeah. you know, and I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to get my credit and go home. <laughs> that was it. But I will say, I've it's become since I do have to do a bunch of singing now. 
Um, it's become super useful. I'm way better. If I hadn't done choir for four years, like I wouldn't be good at singing harmonies, and that's kind of I feel like is one of my stronger suits and right. uh, with singing anyway. And uh, so it's become super useful, that and so I'm glad that I music and stuff like that comes. In yeah, there. and yeah. I like I'll work with other bands and stuff, and they'll have I'll, like I'll help them record something, and they'll be trying to sing something. It's weird because then I end up being like a little mini choir director for a session because <laughs> yeah, they'll be having it. trouble hitting the note, and I'll be like, "Well, okay, it's because your vowel sound is like this, and you need to <laughs> You're you like, need to it, sound like my dad. yeah." I'm like, I'm like, you need to switch to your head voice for that <laughs> note, and, and, and so it's become super useful but yeah, I, I was always annoyed because i didn't want to do it at all i think one of the interesting stories with with you and, you, and you've been a phenomenal choir director here at the church and I, and uh we've had nephews and nieces and friends that went through your school choir and we've been to the all of the not all the shows but many shows over at deer park that you've been a part of but the one thing i think is unique about our churches, you were one of the first drummers, uh-huh. I think, in church. Yeah. In the area, in the area at least, right? That I know of. Um, so you've all, you kind of was out on the front of some like church change uh, and really kind of made a difference in worship and different things like that. Uh, that's just our church in general, I think. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, I grew up in this church when, with the exception of like four years, we're, Dad went, we went to the, you know, when he went into full-time church work over at First Assembly, and there was, a, before that, a few months at a place called Centerwood. I've been in this church my whole life, just like my dad. So I don't have a lot of experience. I thought all churches are like our church, you know. And um, This was the first church that I know of that, started singing back then we call them choruses because you know back before then everybody sang hymns you had a, you had a hymnal and you sang hymns that's how most churches do the little church that when i'm in colorado that we go to uh they'll sing like three songs you know and they're good songs. they're singing they're trying to you know kind of get it's a it's a little bit more formal this is called ura community fellowship and they'll have two or three guys up there with a guitar and Playing, but for them, but and they'll have even a guy with a beat, not a beatbox. What do you call it? A cajon. A cajon, up there, kind of playing that sometimes. So they and the pastors kind of the work leads the worship, and they're singing stuff like on the radio. They'll sing some stuff that we do here, and uh, and they'll do an old a traditional hymn or something. But it's printed there. They're going to do those three songs, and at the end of the service, they're going to sing another song. You know, and that's how most churches were. But when I just remember I started playing the drums when I was five, and I don't know. It wasn't too long after that that I probably was playing in church. I don't think I was playing when I was five, but I, I'd say when I, by the time I was seven or eight, for sure I was playing in church. And uh, my uncle played the piano, my aunt played the organ, I played the drums. Different people played the bass, but I don't know any other. That was back when Andre Crouch was big, you know, really, this is late 60s, early 70s, and he changed the way a lot of churches did worship music because they weren't hymns anymore. It was, it was, and there was no contemporary Christian music to speak of. I mean, you didn't have any radio stations that you could listen to, so you bought the album, and, you know, 
but we sing a lot of Andre Crouch stuff, and he wrote some anointed, what we just called choruses back then. And so we just try to recreate what was on the deal. And uh, I know they had a little. And how old was you at this time? Oh, I'm probably. You're still pretty young. I'm born in '64. <laughs> this is probably excuse me, late '60s. So. Okay. Yeah. I'm seven or I'm six or seven. Seven or eight. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But they had a little they had a little group here that they called the Echoes, Elam Echoes or something. I'm trying to remember people. They were all young people back then. And the old you know, these this was like my aunt and oh goodness, Dave what was all their I can't Jerry Flynn. There was just all these people that were old, you know grown up old people when i was a kid that, but they were really just in their 20s gene bailey Herky. You know. no not her Herky wasn't here then okay but anyway they were kind of they were just like a six or seven of them and they would sing work up stuff like contemporary stuff of the day stuff that if there had been ksbj you would have heard on ksbj okay but there's a lot of andre crouch stuff and and you know up, not hymns, you know, and they would work. Uh, Nancy Harmon was another one that used to come through, uh, and I man, I, and they had drums and stuff, and so I, I don't, I just remember Dad saying, "Why don't you play?" Because he led the singing. Why don't you play drums on this? And so I mean, we'd haul the drums up here, and and uh, so I didn't know any different, and we had different people play the bass. Oh goodness, I. My brain doesn't work anymore. But uh, anyway, I, I just played in church, and I remember I was always getting told to play softer, 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 because mm-hmm. some people really liked it. Some of the old ladies, you know, they didn't like it. You're too loud, too loud. Everything's too loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember one time I played with pencils. <laughs> I think I broke a stick or something, and and everybody was. I just got some number two pencils, yellow pencils. And I thought, I can't, if it's too loud now, something's wrong. I mean, I would just, so I was very conservative, especially in church. But I didn't know any other churches that had drums. I'm sure there were some Pentecostal churches around. Right. This is the only one I, but none of them. It's probably some gospel churches. You know, I remember telling my friend, you know, when when your kid, when you, Elementary and junior high, and they find out you're a drummer. Oh, you play in a band, you know? Yeah. All your all your friends, you well, you you play in a band? I said, no, I play at my church, and they play in church, <laughs> drum at church. That was unheard, you know. Right. What kind of church you go to? Everybody was yeah. Church of Christ back then. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but I, I remember we we sang a lot of you know worship type choruses and and stuff. Way before that was the fad, you know. Now you just about any church you go to, the, even if it's a traditional Methodist church, they'll have a contemporary service or something early, you know, where they sing worship music. Everybody does it now, but I don't know. Our church was was always kind of a to me a kind of a leader in that regard, more than a f- follow the fad yeah. kind of a deal. Did that give you like any type of? Uh way to look at it as as time goes and generations come and music's changed and how did that help you or or um was it still hard to, to kind of move with the times because i know change is the hardest thing that, that we deal yeah, with you know now i'm the old i'm an old codger now but uh you know i was always the 
you know it's that's how that's how life goes uh, everybody all the music you like now one day that'll be the old music yeah you know and then you i like a lot of the new music i like uh but when i started leading and i never wanted to be the worship leader ever i did that kind of out of guilt anthony mooney did it my cousin yeah yeah and i thought he was great and i loved well, with dad you know dad used to do it and then dad tried to start you know i'm not going to we need somebody else to do the choir we need somebody else to lead worship i can't i ain't doing it all you know and i'm anthony did it for a long time and i played the drums when anthony led um no oh, i can't what's my what's her name paul owens and uh paulette uh, what's his wife's name? paul owens oh oh kim Kim, she did it uh, mm-hmm. for a while, for a year or so. I don't know how long. I played drums, and I, in my mind, I'm on, I'm a drummer. That's, I'm not even a singer. I'm like a drummer that sings or a drummer that leads. It's kind of like whatever you start off doing, then your mind. That's what, you, that's what you are. And so, Same. I would be happy just to be a. That's kind of like my first love, music wise, is drumming. I did it for hours a day. And that's and you're, what I wanted. You're, you're to do. one of the most coolest drummers oh, that yeah. I know because well, you got good hands, but you don't. The rest of your well, body doesn't move. I was you're never, like a really slick right. jazz. I was never. In right. a, I was never. You got a little, like where did I grow up playing drums in church with okay? pencils? Yeah. With you know, yeah. <laughs> you're, telling you're too loud. You're too. And I I did it all by myself listening. I was never in a band. Yeah. You know, so I was never out there. You know. I was just like, if I can make it sound like the record, then what's the difference? So I would make it sound like the record, and I didn't worry about what I looked like. And everybody's like, you, just, you were motionless. You, you need to <laughs> because you got you, and stuff. then you got Caesar that's got elbows flying uh, everywhere. I can make the sounds that Caesar makes, but I can't. I, you know, to me, it's like, why? Why I gotta all throw, the extra motion? You know, I don't throw oh, my head around. <laughs> but yeah, but that's probably because I grew up playing in church. Well, my but. boy Salvador out there, he gets into his music too. Oh, <laughs> Salvador does it. He he plants a leg at uh, some point, and then he starts rocking. Right here, he start, he does. This everybody's work. got a right style. But yeah, no. I, when I started leading worship, I just felt guilty. Because after Kim Owens left, and I think Anthony was gone, I don't know, we just had different people week to week would get up there and and lead it. Hold it together, David. Is my wife wife in the house? No. Oh, Oh, mom. I got it. She's still listening. David does this about three or four times an episode. I don't know what it is. He just starts sucking down some people. <laughs> and I'm trying not to burp, so I'm trying to suck is my that burp, what it is? trying to suck my burp back in. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, I I think Dad asked me to do it, and I said, "No, man, I don't want to. I want to play drums. I don't want to." But I would I would play drums, and I would watch different ones get up there, and and in my heart, I thought, I know I can do better than that, and I felt I felt guilty because I in my heart I thought. I know I can, I know I can do, but I can would be better at that than the people that are trying to do it yeah. that really aren't probably called to do it or can't really do it. And so I don't know. I just kind of reluctantly started doing it, and I think that's when Bobby came along to 
because then we needed a drummer if I was going to lead worship, you know. And Bobby C was coming at that time, and he's another super. When I when I've used to know him first, I didn't even know he played the drums. He played the trumpet. Yeah. And he brings. I didn't trumpet. know he plays the trumpet. He yeah. plays that too. He he play, he's the first. I mean, trumpet is like I think his of first instrument. Yeah. The trumpet. He, when he was in school, he played trumpet, and so when I would play drums, sometimes he'd bring his bring his trumpet and play. And then when I started kind of doing the worship, he's like, "Well, I can play drums," or I don't know how we found out he could play drums, but he was like, "Man, you're good on drums." And and I don't know how many years ago he picked up a guitar and like. Yeah. A few weeks later, he's playing guitar and me and him had a conversation about that. It was like when he first started leading worship, and he he said something. I was just like, "Man, you ought to," because he was he could pick up anything. Yeah, so yeah. you ought to try to play the guitar. And then three weeks later, you know, he's he's like, like, play the guitar. He's yeah. like, "Yeah, I play guitar now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that one of the the greatest things that I've I've gotten to witness over the years is. Um, and and I don't know where this lands for you, but to see, I mean, it's definitely growth on your side. But you know, you've over the years, you you was like very stoic up there and not talking a whole lot. But then to really see when you got a little bit older, uh, you begin to show some emotion and 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 speak a little bit more. And and I think. Uh, I feel like, man, we missed some of that over the years. Some of the wisdom and different things that you that you have, uh, but now that we're getting to see that, it's been. Uh, I think it's been really good for our church, and and uh, it's been really cool for me to, to see. Well, sometimes I talk too much, like probably well, maybe. I'm doing on this thing too. But um, no, I don't know. Is it, just, I, uh, is it just age that comes out? I mean, cause I see you showing a little bit more emotion well, and I get, things. I get way more emotional than I used to. I cry at the drop of a hat. It's it's embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll sit there and sometimes just read a scripture or something, and I'll be sitting there in church, and sometimes if, if something just like uh, kind of just hits me, I'll start tearing up. I'm like, and my wife will look at me. Are you okay? Like yeah, I'm fine. I don't know why. I'm, that's just that's a good verse, you know, or yeah. something. I'll just yeah. like something will hit me, and so I don't know. Sometimes I'll say stuff, and then I think, man, I should have just. We're here to, and I'm, we're up here to worship. So that's the main thing when you're leading worship. You, you know, you're not up there to hear a sermon during that part of the service. You're here to to whatever. But you know, you want people to. You know, it's so easy in worship, especially if you've been singing your whole life, and you just go go through the motion. You sing the song, and the song's a good song, whatever. But you're not really worship. You're not really making that connection with God yeah. while you're singing. And that's you know that's what we got to do. So sometimes if I'm off, I can say something that'll help people realize what they're singing about, or you know. Man, and sometimes I'll just be singing all of a sudden a line of the song that I've sung a thousand times, just like. That's what that means, you know, yeah. whatever. And uh, anyway, so sometimes I'll say it, and sometimes people will will uh, say, "Hey, that was good," or I, "That that that was good," or whatever. And then other times, my wife or somebody will say, He's "Talking too much, we'll worship too up. long. We got to get going. Got yeah. other things to do." I think the emotion so, is good because I was just mentoring to um, one of my guys that works for me, and. Uh, and he's going through some struggles, and and he was saying he was having a hard time, kind of grieving over 
uh, one of his, his uh, uncles or grandfather or something dying. And then I told him, I said, you know, the truth is that real men do cry. Yeah. You know, and and as as men, we're always taught, oh, get up. Quit crying. That didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or come on, just suck it up. Move yeah. forward. And, I, and, and as little boys, that's in us from very young. But I think that that's not always healthy. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times healthy healthy places are to let your emotions go sometimes and to be able to see that from the stage and see someone like you or Bobby or even when a, a Pastor Marks is getting a little bit better about it is showing those emotions really helps that, that guy in the audience that says, okay, you know, I feel it here, but I never let it, never let it come out. Yeah, I don't, I just, it frustrates me though when I'm trying to sing and I get choked up. Yeah. I'm like, there's a fine line. I mean, I, I certainly want to. I just certainly want to be worshiping and feeling stuff myself. But at the same time, I'm supposed to be up there Gotta leading. You know, I got I can't. You know, I'm like, come on, get it together, <laughs> sing. You know. Yeah. And it's, when you when you get emotional, your voice doesn't work. Right. Because yeah. you are the instrument again. I could probably still play a saxophone and cry, but <laughs> it's hard to sing and cry. What what is uh what is your like proudest moment? I'm gonna ask you two questions. Your proudest <laughs> your proudest moment in your life and then something that you you know, you regretted. Dang, you got deep. Oh my uh, gosh. Man. I regret a lot of stuff. <laughs> but what's your proudest moment? What 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 is the thing that you're like most most proud about? Uh, what you did or what your family's accomplished, whatever it may be. Well, I, I, since James is sitting next to me, I'll tell you one of my proudest moments. Oh, here's will be good. When we played a drum solo. Oh, that was so oh, yeah, good. That was a good one. At Hello, Texas, which was our big pop show. Yeah. Most of my proudest stuff just involves my kids, probably. Yeah. I think that's probably most, most parents. Uh, but I've had some very proud moments with my kids, but... You know, I never, never worked with him on drums ever. Now I got uh, Rands want me to teach Josiah drum lessons. I never really took. I think I took two lessons, so I don't know that I'd make a good teacher. And I and people would approach me over the years want me to teach drum lessons. You know, teach my kid drums, and I never had time. So that was always my. I'm working three jobs. I don't. I just don't have time to teach drum lessons. You know. Maybe sometime in the future, but uh, anyway, he just like started playing percussion, like he said in the junior high, and uh, he was great at it. He would play like xylophone, keyboard type yeah. percussion stuff. That's where it came from, then. Huh? Percussion's uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. So xylophone's kind of naturally where you moved into some of the keyboards. Well, I mean, it's too much well, like yeah. a piano. For it's me the to same play. layout. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a piano keyboard, except you're exists. hitting it with your sticks instead I'm of your sorry, fingers. I'm horrible now. But, but he was great at all of that stuff. But he never played a drum set, and which is it's different, you know, yeah. playing a snare drum and marching band than playing a trap set, you know. Yeah. Uh, but. I think he asked for a drum set one, or I think we bought him some electric drums or something. Yeah, because so I knew what I'd put my parents through. Yeah. <laughs> they had to build a whole <laughs> addition to the house to put me in, so they're for their sanity. But so, so I got him. I got him some electric drums with some headphones, and he just. Uh-huh. So I never. We never heard him, and I. I don't even remember the first time I heard him play something. I thought. Man, he's good, and I didn't even teach him. He's just like taught himself, I guess. I don't know. I don't ever remember 
sitting down and showing him some licks. But by the time he was a senior in high school, he was he was really good in the drumming, kind of big into drumming. Had his hair all grown up, looked like a looked rock really star. Good. I don't know. I remember that show. It was almost like a battle back and forth. Yeah, too. so you were at that one. Yeah, nice. So I've been to a lot of those. Yeah. That was fun. I thought I need to do because I knew he wasn't going to sing on Hello Texas. Ram sang, Garrett sang, Ben sang. I knew James ain't going to sing. He ain't How was Garrett's voice? I don't remember Garrett singing too oh. much. He was he had a good voice. Yeah, Garrett could really do good. anything. Yeah, he, he was. To do. Yeah, he's he was very charismatic. With yeah. it. he would sing. Um, he sang like like big band stuff. And then he would sing like silly songs. So too. Hello Texas was song. right up yeah. his alley. But oh, yeah, I, yeah, his yeah. his main the main thing he did he did a Sinatra song. Had his little hat on. Had his Sinatra oh, yeah, hat I can on. Imagine that yeah. up there. Now, he was a showman. Excellent guitar, but, guitar player. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Played guitar too. But he did. You know, those. You know, they don't mind trying out. I, I thought James said he ain't gonna try it for Hello Texas. But I wish he would do something. I thought he's a great drummer. I'd, and so. Back when I was growing up, I used to idolize a guy named Buddy Rich, who was the, he was a great jazz drummer, billed himself as the world's greatest drummer, and probably is one of the top three or four. He's incredible. YouTube Buddy Rich up. He was a sorry human being, but he was a great drummer. He used to be on the he'd play on the Tonight Show, and that was the only time I was allowed to stay up watch Tonight Show. That was like you didn't watch the Tonight Show in our. House, but if Buddy Rich or somebody like that, my dad would say, "Hey, Buddy Rich, going to be on uh, tonight's show. You want? You know, I'll let you stay up watching. You know." So I was just fascinated with with drums. And back then, they would do these drum battles. I remember Buddy Rich and the Tonight Show drummer, a guy named Ed Shaughnessy. They would do drum battles back and forth. You know, they'd each take a solo and do stuff. And so I don't know. We heard this. Uh, there was a live recording of a Doobie Brothers song called Long Train Running where they do a a live version of it and they Doobie Brothers always had two drummers. Mm-hmm. These days they don't, but all through their history they had two drummers. They stopped having two? Well, they have a percussion guy. Oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for most of their existence they had two drum sets playing in sync with each other, which mm-hmm. is hard to do. And a percussion guy. And so anyway, we I had this recording of and they I thought we can kinda do a drum battle and end with this, and so I tried to explain it to <laughs> to the other directors. I said, "Would you let us do this?" I said, "If you want us to try out on it, I said we'll work." So I said, "We ain't got it worked up." I said, "I got it in my mind." I <laughs> now, said, are you still in high school at this point? Yeah, he's yeah, a I'm a senior. senior. Okay, and uh, and they said, "Man, I think that would be awesome." And so now, I'm like, okay, now we got to work it up. So I asked. James like, yeah, we'll do that or something. I don't know. He was typical James. Whatever. Yeah, let's do, do it. it so we took our drum sets up to Etoil. Etoil, Texas, one weekend. On Otherwise known as Etoil. Yeah. Etoil. Yeah. <laughs> did we, we take them up there? I don't remember. We did. We there. set them up out there in the big open in that back I remember room. us doing that in the garage. Uh, I don't we, remember taking we them We took either. them to Etoil. I said, we're going to spend a week. We're going to work up our drum battle. And we kind of worked it up there, and then we did some more stuff. And it didn't work out. The Our drum battle part worked out great. Yeah. But when the band was supposed to come in, they didn't come in right. Also the, Or they sort of did. 
We they gonna, did just on the recording. On the recording on the right. on the C, on the DVD in person, it came out. The sound fine. is horrible on it. But. So if you watch the DVD later, but it's like half the band's not in the recording, and it's mm, weird. I don't know if that's one of my my proudest ever moment, but that's I was very proud. That proud was, of my that son. Was a good Brought got, the house down. Got standing to, ovation. Got yeah. to do something with my son. Everybody on was that rocking show. that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was super fun. That was funny because I. Uh, I had gotten a speeding ticket not too long before that, and then later that week I had to go to the courthouse, to the Deer Park, whatever, to pay it. And I go to the place, and it's my turn at the window, and the lady goes, hey, didn't I see you playing drums at the school the other night? And I was like, oh, yeah, that was me. She's, oh, that was so great. Anyway, so you're going to owe 200 This is going to get me out of it? I was like, oh, it's just about to. I didn't hear that part of it. Yeah, I go. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting recognized and uh, didn't mean anything. <laughs> Still had to pay my ticket. right. So I know the older I get and the older my kids get, there's like things that I regret. Is there a big something that you regret that, that, that could help the people? Help well, the people. yeah, I got lots of regrets, but help the people. One thing that I wish I would have done. We had four kids. You know how this is. You got. Five years are spread out a little bit, but uh, ours were a little more close together. I guess they yeah, were we all have three close together. together and then two close together. But uh, and I, I don't regret working so many jobs because that allowed my wife to stay home with them, which we thought was important. And I don't ever regret that, but I do regret not spending more individual time. Mm. We would do stuff like if I got a Saturday off. We'd go have a dad adventure day or fun day or something. I don't know what we'd call it. Like, but it was all for, it was always all for me and all for the kids. Sometimes Debbie would stay home and get a break, and we'd go to San Antonio or we'd go to I don't know where. Go to the baseball game. We'd go to the game yeah. or we'd go to the. We went to Louisiana and toured the Tabasco factory one time. Mm. Just or we'd go to Brenham and go to eat ice cream at the. Or do, but it was always all the kids, mm. and I wish I'd have found time to just take one of the kids. That's good. Instead of just, not that I enjoy all of them, right? But it's a different dynamic yeah. when you just got one on one, and uh, we did some of that. But I wish I, now that they're grown, I wish I'd have done it more. Yeah, I guess it's not too late. We still can do, but even today, it's like it's yeah. all of us, you know, yeah. it's, and it's crazy when it's you know when it's everybody yeah mm-hmm. so that would be one thing that i i do regret not to spend more individual time i remember when luke them. came to me when i was youth pastor we're probably a couple two three years into youth pastoring and and uh you know my at that point my career was taking off at the same time so i'm spending a lot of time you know spending 50 hours 60 hours a week at work and then another 20 30 hours yeah. a week being youth pastor and he was just a little fella, man. He's probably six or seven. He was just like, "Dad, you have time for work, and you have time for church, but you don't have time. Yeah, you don't have time for me. Yeah, yeah. you know." And uh, man, it broke my heart, you know. So that's something that really got me focused back. But yeah. I, I bet I did what, what, what you do. I just get them all together and we yeah. go uh, because it's, it's easier and it doesn't take as much time. But now that my kids are older. One of my kids works for me, so we get to spend a lot of time together. And then Adam and Victoria, they live right around the corner, so now we get, you know, yeah. so it's, it, it, it is different. Well, I don't know anybody that's 
spend a lot of time with their kids that regrets, you know, thought I shouldn't have spent so much time right. with my kid. It's <laughs> yeah. always the other way around. Right. And uh, I don't, I didn't neglect them, but it was just, I was busy like, you know. Yeah. I, and it would kill me because I, you know, my parents were always there at stuff I did. And, you know, if they had a baseball game, I worked at the Chronicle every Saturday for 20 years. I mean, every Saturday. Unless I was sick or it was a holiday or something or we were on vacation maybe. And so when would their, you know, little, they played Little League and stuff, but before that they played like in the Y or something kind of, and they always, everything was on a Saturday. Right. And I'd break my neck, try to get there, and, you know, I'd get there, oh, just finished five minutes. You know, and that's that would kill me, and I know that, you know, you want your dad there when you're playing mm-hmm. sports, you know, and, so I should have probably not done so much of that, but I got a chance. I got a, a, a unique opportunity because I was very, very um, the older kids. I was, I was the dad. Like you're not getting up until you eat all your macaroni and cheese. You know? Oh yeah, I did. That. I was that dad, and well, not, not just that, but just being that type of dad. Yeah. But now being a father, and I have two young ones, I get a second opportunity to look back yeah. and go, okay. I'm still going to be, you know, stiff on certain things, but certain things, yeah. it's not worth it, you yeah, know. And exactly. so I get the opportunity now to try to do better, you know. Yeah. So that's been kind of cool. Yeah, because they're spaced out so far apart. Right. You basically raised some kids. Yeah. And then had some new ones. Right. To like so start over, over with. Yeah. yeah. So that's a. I'm a. I'm, I hear. I hear you on that. Because you just kind of you just you try to you start with your kids the way you you remember. Yeah, you know, think well. That's just all I. I don't there know ain't no manuals to this no. thing. You figure it out as you go. You know. And I then, remember making Rayanne so she and she was so stubborn. I yeah, it, she is. It was some kind of. Um, <laughs> now I can't even remember what it is. She doesn't like it to this day. Papaya, but I'm mean, salmon, <laughs> salmon croquettes. I don't yeah. know. But I'm like, you ain't even tried them. You're gonna sit there. I was in one of those moves. I said, oh, you're gonna yeah. sit there. <laughs> And she sat there till it was nine o'clock at night, ten o'clock at night. And of course, you know my wife's let her. She got to go to bed. And I'm like, she ain't going to bed. She <laughs> eats that broccoli or whatever it was, you know. And and uh, I don't, you know. Now I get worms. Yeah, <laughs> she probably. Did. I saw. So I'll tell you a quick story. And I might have told this on this here <laughs> on the podcast before. So. Uh, raising the, the older the older ones when they were younger then Sandra was going to school at night so she would cook and then she would leave it in the refrigerator and when we get home we would heat it up and I would feed the boys and she wouldn't get there until after they would you know go to bed so I got the you know spaghetti out and I fed to them and then I got rid of that one then I got the other one out and fed myself and uh, so they were just like there's something wrong with the spaghetti it doesn't taste right. I'm like, I'm eating the spaghetti too. You eat your food. You're not going to burn. You know, and they're just like, oh, they're they're eating. They're going. <laughs> and I'm just like, y'all, y'all not going to do me that way. I'm, you know, I'm not, I said, I'm eating the same spaghetti. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the spaghetti. Well, I didn't know there was an old one in there. <laughs> and the new there's one, was there's was spoiled. And mine was the right one. <laughs> Oh no! So now Adam to this day will not eat spaghetti, <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> and his wife loves it. So. <laughs> you have to take him to McDonald's afterwards. Or oh something? man, no! I mean, 
I didn't know until Sandra got home, right? Yeah. Sandra got home, and I was just shit. I could the boys. You won't believe what these kids been doing. I could, I could the boys that eat their food because I, finally I just I said, well, if you don't want to eat, just go to bed. You don't have no no snacks or nothing, you know. And uh, so Sandra, Sandra goes home. She goes, well, how come the boys that eat? I said, I don't know why they're not eating. And uh, she she looked in the oven. She goes, David. I said, what? She goes. That was the spaghetti from last week. <laughs> it's got stuff growing on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't live that one down for a long time. Well, I still haven't lived it down from the kids, but yeah. from Sandra. You feed my babies. <laughs> uh, well, Stacy, man, I appreciate you coming, and I know that uh, we never know where these uh, these uh, conversations are going to go, but the people wanted it. People got well, it. Give the people They're what gonna they want. They're going to be a little disappointed now that they had such high expectations. <laughs> I don't know how long we've been We went for like now. Oh, we went 152. It's a couple of hours. Record. I mean, that's probably a record, yeah. That's up there. No, Calvin's was a few yeah, hours. I think yeah. Calvin's was like three hours. We yeah. had to do a two-parter on his. Yeah. Two-parter, you go. Yeah, but he had a special story, so. You know. Well, yeah. if y'all get hard up again one of these days, this was Fairly painless. So I'm an old retired dude. Just catch me when I'm in town. David, David was. No. He told me he goes. Uh, we got to get your dad on here one day. I said, I mean, you can ask him. He's he won't want to do it, but if you ask him enough, he'll probably do it. It's just talking. That's what people don't know. It's just yeah. a conversation. And the worst part is because I don't want to listen to it. I hate to hear your own voice. My yeah. voice. I don't listen to myself sing. I mean, sometimes you have to. Like when I was. You know, most humbling experience when your voice teacher sits there and makes you listen to a recording of yourself. And so this is what I'm talking about. You yeah. Know, and you go, oh, that's what I sound like. I don't like to hear my own voice either, but I do listen. I go back and hear, listen to what I preach just to get better. Yeah. You know, just because I'm. Well, I'm, it's, it'll make you better, but I'll, yeah. This part was the easy part. So <laughs> if my wife pulls this up on a. Road trip or something and make I want to say turn it off. I don't want yeah. to do that one. So the next time we'll need both of them in here together. Oh, oh look out! Oh, this, that's gonna be, that's gonna put the spice. In. I need a button on here that goes dun dun dun. <laughs> I, won't, I won't get many words in that. Uh, because <laughs> everybody has their own perspective, right? Yeah, so you're everybody. Being, this is what will happen. Just, you'll bring so. up a story and one of them will start telling it, and that's the other one will say it. Yeah, that'll be the whole episode. So now, yeah. I'll tell you my story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming by. Uh, over the years, uh, uh, Brother Stacy, you de- definitely inspired me in so many different ways, and uh, I just want to let you know, man, how much I appreciate you. And well, I appreciate you too. Uh, appreciate y'all doing this. Yeah, we got to find a way to get promote this more. Not because I'm on here, but just this is y'all do as good a job as any podcast out here. Anywhere. Yeah, need hey, to, look at that! I don't know how you get the word out there, get people. Yeah, we need to do a better right. job. Maybe I'll do that. Sunday from the pulpit. There you I, go. Couple I think shout outs or something. Our, our agenda when we first started this, like there's podcasts or secular podcasts, and then there's Christian podcasts. But most of it's like let's sit down and do a Bible study. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that we didn't want to do that. We wanted something that Christians can have to have yeah. a little bit of fun, maybe cry, maybe laugh. You know, mm-hmm. hear a little bit about Jesus every once in a while, but just have a good time and have something that they can listen to and not be super, you know, heavy and deep and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're doing our best. We're doing our best. All right. Here we go. And we love you. This is The Refuge Project.